0: Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Christian Project. Today's episode is all about forgiveness. We're talking about forgiving ourselves, forgiving others, and God's forgiveness. And I'm joined by Rob Wallace. Rob is actually from South Florida, and he does a lot of ministry work there, along with also running his own business. But he feels like God has called him and his family towards South Florida. So, So, Rob, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do, who you are. Introduce yourself a little bit.
1: Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, thanks for that introduction. So yeah, uh my family and I, we've we've lived here in South Florida, like you mentioned, for about eight or nine years. Um I met my wife in in Texas about um well, it's been twenty-seven years ago now, but um originally from California. But uh yeah, Lord called us here to South Florida uh about eight or nine years ago, and uh we've been doing ministry here. We have a uh, we have a church plant that we have here, and we, we, so we try to plant churches and make disciples just like we're called to do. And, uh, there's plenty of, lots of, lots of opportunities here in South Florida for ministry. Um, it's a very affluent area, but it's also a, a very broken area. A lot of drug use and, um, a lot of things going on here. So, um, yeah, so we've been here for a while, and, um, yeah, God, God's using us in, uh, in the work that we're doing here, but, uh, yeah.
0: Can I ask you a question? Yes, sir and you you said you met in Texas. Is Texas real estate really as cheap as they say it is?
1: Well, it is compared to South Florida. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, like you know, the average price of a house may be between uh, maybe two fifty and four hundred. Where the average price here would be like you know four fifty to six fifty. So it, it, it's just it's a lot more. Everything's a lot more expensive, especially the real estate for sure.
0: That is crazy. Here in Toronto, I'm not actually in Toronto right now, but in Toronto it is absolutely ridiculous. The price of a 500 square foot condo that my wife and I went to see was listed at 600,000 and when we got there for the visitation, they told us they the buyer would not accept anything less than 800,000. And we're like, this place is the size of a kitchen. Yes. <laughs> how are you how are you overselling it like this? yeah it sounds like
1: Miami, Miami's like that. We're like a condo like that, maybe nine hundred square feet. yeah, they're upwards of a million dollars. so
0: I don't yeah, that doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> that's okay so so Florida, you're planting churches, and you also said you do a little bit of house church, right?
1: yeah, so we do so we have a house church here, and we um we're part of like a a bigger house church movement, uh, moving away from more of your traditional legacy churches and moving more towards like organic um home based fellowship where you've got, um, you know, the same structure a, a regular church might have. So, you know, you have leadership and then we're doing the things that, you know, the believers did in the book of Acts. You know, we same thing you do in a church. You know, we we worship, we fellowship, you know, we love one another, we, we give, yeah. well, we share the gospel, we baptize. So all all those, main, those, right. those main components you see the believers doing in Acts 2 when the church started, we try to use those same things and do them in smaller group settings and then try to encourage yeah. other people to do the same. So, yeah, that's kind of part of what we do.
0: Right, right. That's awesome. That's amazing. And, okay, I know we talked a little bit about this before this podcast, but I know you have an amazing story about forgiveness. Am I am I right? Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, you're right.
0: <laughs> um, so uh, I want to know, what is your story? What is your story? Before we get into any of the biblical, uh, what what Jesus says, what the Bible says about forgiveness, I want to know exactly what you went through. Do you mind sharing that a little bit?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, how long do you want me to take on that? Cause you know, there's, I can give the, the 40 minute version or the five, the five minute version, which, which one do you prefer? Uh, for a check time?
0: <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in between we, we have, we have about an hour for here. Let's have some fun. All
1: right. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Um, As like, I kind of alluded to, I, I grew, I grew up in uh out in California, the West coast of the United States. And, um, my, my mother actually was a Jehovah witness. And so, um, I'm not sure if you know much about them, but, um, I was raised as a Jehovah Witness as well, and mm-hmm. um, so uh, the reason I bring that up is because it, it'll come back into the story as we as we progress. But um, my mom was a single mom; but she was raising me and my uh, my brother and my sister out there in California. And um, you know, uh, my 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 father uh, left before I was even born, so I never knew him. And there was a uh, there was a, a, something missing in my in my in my heart as a, as, a, as a young boy growing up in California. All those years ago, and um, I, I really want well, the thing that I really wanted was a father. I wanted a dad, and I just I saw some of the other kids with dads, and it always I always had this kind of aching in my heart for a father. And so, um, and. Um, my mom was single, like but then she eventually met a man named Fred, um, and um, you know, her and Fred were dating for some time. He would come over and visit us, and I love, I love when he came over, and I was so excited every time he came over. I just like that that you know having a, another another male figure. I was always drawn to that, and so eventually they decided Another to get married. Another
0: source was... of testosterone in the house.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, also just for like leadership, and you know, we're you know, right. I was a boy, so yeah. you can gravitate towards men. But um, the thing about it was uh, they they did decide to get married, which I thought was great. I was super excited, and then um, you know, probably a few months into the into the the new marriage, things began to kind of change. I mean, Fred initially was a very very nice, kind uh, you know, man, but then he became very, um, very abusive, very, um, meaning. And then
0: did you see that coming or no?
1: No, not at all. Especially at that age. I mean, you know, I had never really been introduced to anyone being, you know, just, just mean or abusive, you know, with something, you know, that you, you're not exposed to. I was a very young child. I was probably five or six years old. And so, um, yeah. So then, um, yeah. So him, him, and my mom ended up conceiving my my my, my half sister, Rochelle. And then when she was born, then he really pretty much forgot about all of us. All his focus and attention really was on her. And then he became super, super abusive. Uh, and I, I always seem to get the brunt of it. Um, and uh, you know, a lot of physical abuse. Um, uh, you know, mental and, and um, emotional abuse. No, no sexual abuse. I do have. I know people who go through that too. You know. I'm, Thankfully, you know, looking, looking at the, the, uh, silver lining, I mean, there was no sexual abuse, so that's good, but the physical abuse was pretty bad. I mean, to the point where I, a few times, um, I thought he was actually going to take my life. And, you know, the first time when you're wow. young and you, you, you have to encounter death, you know, I remember the very first time I ever encountered it because playing with matches out one time as kids do, they experiment with things. is what we do as children. And, uh, and, and I was always a very inquisitive and, um, um, I was always, it was always kind of part of my personality as a kid. But uh, anyhow, yeah, he found out that I had been playing with matches. And so he took me and threw me in the bathtub. Nobody else was home and got a can of gasoline and poured it in there and then told me he was going to light me on fire. And I remember that that what? very clearly. And yeah, yeah. And that was my first introduction to death. I had never thought about losing my own life. I remember the very first time I actually had to grapple with that as a, as a, as a child. Like I'm going, I thought I was going to die. And, um, and so, um. You know, when, when things like that happen to you when you're young, I mean, you can bury them for a while, but, um, you know, they, they end up coming back out. And so, um, you know, him and my mom were married for probably, uh, they we were probably together for like maybe six or seven years. The abuse continued, continued. And I, w- I became very withdrawn. I think I was getting ready to go into like maybe the seventh grade and I would just be in my room most of the time reading. I used to love, I was a voracious reader as a kid. Um, and, um, uh, very curious mind reading encyclopedias and things like that. And I just stayed away. I stayed away from him as much as possible. And then, then my mom ended up divorcing him, one of the happiest days of my life. She left and then, um, you know, and then and then that was it. You know, I um, I went on about life and um, I didn't really think too much about it until I got older and um, and I had um,
0: started coming back you know, in, in my mind. Say again. It's, did it again. It did start coming back to haunt you a little bit.
1: Yes, yes. Yes. You know, these are really like certain things that you go through when, my when, like, when I met my when I met my wife, Olivia. Well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. So, I grew up, to, got through high school, and I would think about it from time to time, and I would have a little bit of anger would come up. It, you know, but you bury it. You know, you just kind of bury it, and you stuff it. And then, um, yeah, then I, I eventually I moved from California after high school. I think it was about 22 or 23. I moved out to to Texas, and that's uh, that's where I met my uh, my who's now my wife, Olivia. Dating her and um, she became pregnant, and this was all before I was a Christian, and um, and so yeah, so you know, we ended up getting married, had a kind of a shotgun wedding, and um, and then so um, fast forward, I joined the military, and that's when I um, uh, I went from El Paso, Texas, which is northwest Texas, down to south Texas, and I was in the military there in the air force, and um, uh, and that's when we really was this started while our. While your wife was life. pregnant, well, after so. Uh she got pregnant. We got married and then um uh we got married after she was pregnant and then she graduated high school. <laughs> and then um uh and then after she had the baby, my daughter, Athena, um, we moved. So Athena was maybe no, I went I joined I went and um I'm sorry, I'm, I'm jumping all over the place here. So I joined the military, and went went off to like basic training right when she was born. Mm-hmm. Okay. She was born one month old, I went to basic training. And then Olivia came and joined me after I got out of basin training and got stationed in in South Texas. She came and joined me, and that's really when we really, really like we were really together. Then now we had the whole family was there. We had our own place, and that's when a lot of the things that I had for some reason I don't know some of those connections I don't know what it was maybe the family piece. All of a sudden I I became I began I began to be kind of an angry I was angry a lot, and I was trying to I was Mm -hmm. trying to put my finger on what it was. And then the thoughts of what happened to me as a, as a child with, with Fred begin to come back. And, um, and I begin to like, um, I begin to kind of work through that and become more and more angry and bitter. And there's a scale, a sliding scale. I know that, um, uh, Bruce Wilkinson, I've talked a little bit about some of his, his, he, he does the teaching on forgiveness. He talks about the slide of, of unforgiveness and how it starts out as unforgiveness. But at the very end of that slide, it goes through bitterness and slander and it just goes all the way down the very last step in that slide is, is revenge. And, um, and that's when, you know, when you're ready to act out and take revenge for something that's happened, and that's where I was. Um, Olivia and I had been having major marital problems. We were married about seven years at that point. Um, and, uh, you know, all the, all this time as we're, you know, we're establishing our family and kind of growing as a young family. I met a guy named uh, Matt. Um, Matt. And I met him when I was in the, in the air force. And um really really uh when I met him very different than anybody I'd ever met before. I mentioned before that I was a Jehovah Witness growing up as a kid and that was my worldview, even though right. I wasn't practicing. But um, you know, but I the way that I viewed everything was still from that from that point of view. The things I believed about God, the world, death, everything were still kind of uh hooked into that worldview. And so um when I met Matt, you know, he's a born again Christian, he was not shy about it. Um and uh and, and the neat thing about Matt was when I met him, he wasn't so keen on talking about his church like his 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 experience as a christian wasn't just tied to his church where you meet a lot of people now it's like come back to my church see my church you know and, and the church is great but he was more like no you, you need to you need to you need to meet this guy named jesus <laughs> that was his big thing like that was kind of the point he, he kept kind of pointing me to that like you know you need to you need to understand who god is you need to meet his son and then you need to decide you know what you want to do about that he never invited me to church one time <laughs> but we would sit we would talk we would spend time reading the bible and, and praying and just doing the things that you know we do as believers and um and through that you know god began to kind of open up my heart and um and really show me uh a lot of things you know i learned a lot about god as our father figure you know he's the ultimate father and um and how um you know he's a perfect father and so my eyes and my heart began to open up to that and then. Um, during this time i mean i had known matt for about two and a half years of studying the bible and going through things And then he left he got out of the military him and his wife diana they moved to turkey they, were, they went to be missionaries in turkey and then i was kind of like back on my own again because he was acting as a spiritual mentor during that time and the difficulties i was having in the marriage and some of the some of the anger and things in my heart we were able to kind of work through some of that but when he was gone i was kind of like on my own again i hadn't accepted christ mm-hmm. yet and um and I think that was God's kind of kind of God's design was letting me get to a point where I finally would reach out to him. Sometimes we have to get really, really low before, you know, we submit our, 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 ourselves and humble ourselves and say, OK, God,
0: right. I can't hit rock bottom.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And so I was kind of going through that, you know, continuing to, to um, have problems with Olivia more and more, just very angry all the time, very controlling. And then just these thoughts of wanting revenge on this man, Fred, who did these things to me. It all came to a head when Olivia and I, uh, we decided that we were going to separate because we were just fighting too much. It was getting physical and it wasn't good. And then, um, I took a year and I studied the Bible again with the Jehovah Witnesses because in high school growing up, I was going to church, Jehovah's Witness church with my mom it's called the kingdom hall. I was going there with her. But then after I got out of high school, I did my own thing. And I, you know, right. even though it was my worldview, I wasn't practicing. So I I figured when I was having all these problems that the issue, the issue wasn't, it wasn't that I was, you know, just needed help. The issue was I need to get back into this religion. This religion will fix everything. So I began studying the Bible with these Jehovah Witnesses, you know, um, and, uh, but the, the, the problem was as I was going through it, I had developed critical thinking skills from the gap from high school, learning, learning about and going to church to like being an adult. And getting an education, I had, so, I had developed
0: critical thinking. Where where did the thought that this religion will fix everything come from?
1: Well, you know, you're looking at. Um, I'm thinking, okay, what's wrong with my life? Why why am I so angry all the time? And why can't I why can't I stop you know doing the things I don't want to do, like cussing and 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 these things that were like behaviors that I had that I knew, um, I knew were wrong, and I was I was ashamed, but I couldn't stop them you know uh right. you know speaking down, speaking down to my wife and and even getting physical and getting so angry to hit her like i knew it was wrong but i had no power to like stop doing it and so i figured well okay it's the, the religion will help me because i'll get back into this religion and i'll get back on on the path and then and then I'll, then I'll, it'll help me you know it'll help me do what i need to do because i look at from my vantage point, looking at the the witnesses when they would come to your door, they look on the outside. They look like everything is good. It looks like oh, look look how clean they are, and they're they're out here doing God's work, and they must be perfect people. And I want to be a perfect person, so I need to be more. I need to, I need to be more like them. You know, it's, it's the it's the lie and the facade of religion. But um, so that's where it came from. But after studying with them okay. for a whole year, I I real I realized after studying with him for a whole year that. It just, I'm like, this is not it. <laughs> it's like I was like, this is not, this isn't going to do anything. And so, um, and that's that's when I really became hopeless because at that point I had that's that was the one thing I was hoping was going to fix my life and my marriage, and it didn't it couldn't do it. And so then I was like, well, um, you know, so I stopped studying with them, and then Olivia and I decided time for me to move out. But before I moved out, um, I threw up a what we call a um we call it, a flare prayer. It's like I just prayed out to God. I remember when I prayed, I, I, I this was my, this was my prayer. This is just that I said, God, I I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're Jehovah. I don't know if you're Allah. I don't know if you're, you know, match Jesus. I don't know who you are, but here's, here's my deal. I was making deals with God. (laughs) So here's my deal. Um, (laughs) If, if you, if you show yourself to me, if you reveal yourself to me, um, I'll follow you. I'll put aside my preconceived notions of who i think you are or even who i want you to be i'll let you be you but it's like god you've got to show up i need you to show up and show me who you are and i'll follow you all my days and that was my prayer and um as they say i mean that night i, I dialed the right number because god really that's a prayer that he He really answered because i ended up moving out and then out of the blue matt who had been gone for a couple of years calls me up and remember he was in Turkey. And he calls me up and he's like, "Hey, I'm back in town." Like he was back in te- the same town. Finally, he came all the way back to where we're at in San Antonio, Texas. He's like, "Hey, let's get together and let's start reading through the Bible again." I'm like, "Perfect timing, Matt. Great." And so then we started meeting again, and we we're talking things out. And I'm starting talking about like this a lot of this anger and bitterness. And then I get a phone call from my sister, Rochelle. I remember, rochelle with the uh, was my half sister that Fred and my mom had together when I was young. Mm-hmm. And she, I had talked to her for a while and she's still in California. She said, Hey Robert, you know, um, I'm getting married and I'd like you to come to the wedding. And my first question was, will your dad be there? And so, um, right. says, yes. And I said, okay, this I'll the be the last
0: there. person you want to see. And,
1: yeah. Well, w- with the revenge that I had buried down in my heart, actually I did want to see him. I went in my plan. What I was going to do is I was going to go to the wedding And as he, I had so much anger built up in my heart for this man that as he was walking her down, listen to the selfishness of this, as he was walking her down the aisle, I was going to get out of my seat and I was just going to beat the living daylight out of him in front of everybody. Because in my mind, I was like, when I was a young boy and I couldn't defend myself, you took advantage of that. I remember I used to cower in fear, but now as a grown man, I'm like, now, now I can take care of myself. So now let's revisit that. And that was my, you know, that was my, um, that was my, that was my plan. And so, um, thankfully, I shared that plan with Matt. Well, no, thankfully, no. What what ended up happening was I talked (laughs) with Matt. As we were reading through the Bible, he started sharing with me some of the teachings of Jesus on forgiveness. And how Jesus says, you know, if you don't forgive your brother, you know, your father, your father in heaven will not forgive you. And I I understood it, but I didn't like it. And so, and I really didn't even want to forgive this man. But, um, but I thought I would give it a shot. So I flew out, went to the wedding, saw Fred as soon as I got there in the, from across the parking lot, as I got to where the wedding was at, went up to him. I didn't do anything. I told him I wanted to talk to him though. So after, after the wedding took place, you know, I didn't do anything. The reception, him and I, we, you know, I I waved over to him. We stepped outside and then we, you know, we kind of talked and it was from there where I began to explain to him what was going on in my heart. How I was angry with him, but I wanted to forgive him. I was reading about Christ and thinking about becoming a Christian. But knew that I had to forgive him, so I was going to and um and he um the, the interesting thing about it uh was that um you know he didn't even remember like the, the things that he did to me that I was holding on to, the things that I had kind of revisited in my mind over and over again, he didn't even remember like ninety percent of those things. He kept trying to change really? the subject to something else. yeah he was he wanted to he wanted to talk more about why him and my mom got divorced, like he wanted to apologize to me for that. And I was like, "Are you crazy?" That was like the greatest thing that ever happened. I was so happy to get away. What are you, what are you apologizing for that for? But what a couple of things I learned from that is when we when we hold on to unforgiveness to people, the only people who are suffering are, are us. I mean, it's, <laughs> this man to be remembered. It's no one
0: else except yourself. You used a yeah. word before. It's you said it torments you.
1: Yeah, yeah. You talk about um, when when uh, when Jesus shares in um, in Matthew. Uh, uh, the story of Matthew, when Peter comes to Jesus and he says, "You know, um,
0: how many times you know, should I forgive my brother? Yeah, up to seven times."
1: Yeah, he says up to. I mean, that sounds like you. You think about it on the surface. If I were to do something to you, you know, if we're brothers in Christ and I do something that's so bad that I need to come to you and ask you for forgiveness, it's probably a pretty big deal, and it's just not going to happen a lot of times. It might happen once or twice in our in our in our relationship, but seven times—if I did that to you seven times. That's a lot to keep forgiving. But Jesus is like, no, you're not even on the, you're not even on the radar with seven times, you know, he goes on to say, you know, 70, 70 times, it goes into the parable, you know, and and you and I talked about this before, um, you know, the parable of the, uh, of the, of the king and the servant who, uh, you know, the servant owes him a debt. And so, um,
0: I think this is one um, of the most maybe powerful servant, uh, parables that jesus has spoken every time i read it it actually almost breaks my heart a little bit because there's so much mercy shown to the first servant and then there's so little mercy shown to the next one i'm i'm actually okay to read it if you're open for me reading it and then you could talk about it a little bit
1: yeah yeah let me let me just so jump in and wrap up my story let me, yeah, let, me, yeah. me one let me wrap up my story though first because um that way and then it'll be a good segue right into this because right. after i forgave him After I forgave him, I got I got on the um, you know, I got on the the plane back home and I just felt this weight come off of me. You know, and and what I realized is the teachings of Jesus are true. He says, you know, he says, "He who the sun sets free is free indeed. We've heard that verse before. And I was set free from all that. When I when I stepped out in faith and just forgave that man, I didn't want to, but I just did it. God was faithful. and He took that weight off my shoulders of all that anger and all those things I had for all those years. It was like it was completely gone. And that weekend, when I got back, that's when I went to church, and that's when I got saved. I gave my life to the Lord, and I, I haven't looked back since. So um, it just shows God's faithfulness and how when Jesus says something, it's the truth; it works. But um,
0: but yeah. So did do you think it fixed your marriage?
1: It did. The forgiveness, what fixed my marriage is God gave me a new heart. When I got born again, He gave me a heart. In Ezekiel. Uh, you know, he's talking to the the Jewish people. He says, if you allow me to, I'll take your your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And that's what every, everybody needs that. We all need that heart transplant. That's what it means to be born again. And he gave me a heart, a new heart. And with that new heart came new desires for him and for the things of him, the ability and the capacity to love other things besides myself. And yes, that new heart, that's really what allowed, that's what stayed my marriage is that new heart, the, the new heart towards my wife. And You know, she'll tell stories about how when I first when it first happened, she didn't believe me for a long time. I was telling her things, but it all came from that new heart that God gave me as a result of forgiving this man, and then God forgiving me of my sin. So yeah,
0: wow, wow, that's amazing, and uh, it really shows that God's word is true, and He really will set you free from the torment that you're holding on to yourself. It's really the other person isn't doing anything anymore. You're holding on to all that bitterness and anger and it's hurting no one except for yourself. No, so I'll, uh, I'll read this, uh, I'll read this passage and I think it's I so powerful. It says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will I forgive my brother who sins against me? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. Ten thousand talents is also another way of saying about twenty years worth of wages. A hundred denarii was about a day's wage, so one day's worth of work. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay that debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant. I forgave you all the debts because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Mm. I it's so powerful it's, it's it's especially that last line and it shows us how hypocritical we all are when we don't forgive someone for something so small when you put the two into perspective 20 years worth of work versus a day's worth of work yeah. that was the that was the difference so i don't i don't know if you have any teachings any wisdom to share on this but
1: yeah you know it's interesting because that um You know under understanding um you know from my from my own personal testimony understanding it took me it wasn't until recently that i understood this but um you know why why would god why would god do this why would god um you know allow people to to suffer tor- from torment in order to get them to forgive and as I began to kind of think about that, I under, you know, understood that, you know, God, God, we know the heart of the Father is that all men be saved. This is the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is that all men come and be saved, but all men will not come. And so, you know, I think about in terms of like, you know, we think about what is required. What do we believe? What did Jesus teach is required for us to have salvation, for us to have eternal life? And it's it's putting our trust, our, our faith in Jesus. And you know, one of my favorite verses is Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says, um, it's, so it's, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So when I think about that, I think about understanding that, you know, you know, the ability for us to be saved was accomplished by Christ on the cross. But even the ability for us to even have faith in Christ comes from God. Like, there's no right. credit it's that we get for anything.
0: from yourself.
1: Oh god and, and and you think about god god is not going to give us something that we won't give to others like he it doesn't he's just It's just not how he operates but yet he wants all men to come to him he wants all men to be saved and so we think about the torment the tormentors or the torment that you know that we're you know that god allows people to stay in and it's talking about different types of torment too there's physical torment emotional torment is mentioned in the new testament um there's different types of torment that you see people in and, um, and God, God, I think allows people to stay there because he knows that without forgiveness, he can't forgive us. And so I think that's why you see, you know, the mess that people are in, even in my own life before I forgave, I was a miserable person. I was miserable. You know, the, the, the anger, the revenge, those things that I had let build up in my heart, they're like poisoning me. And, um, and then in the whole time, I'm think I'm holding on to this as if you know it's like this, and I think it's because of our, our sense for like our sense for like you know wanting revenge and justice um those are things I think that um that we hold on to um because we know they're right, you know we want to see things avenged, and we know that there's a sense of injustice done, but we don't understand that God's never called us to call to, to exact vengeance on anyone. The Bible says, right. God says, dentist is mine.
0: <laughs> Vengeance belongs re-pay. to
1: God. Yeah. And it's because he knows perfectly the whole picture. Um, did you ever see that movie, The Shack? Are you familiar with that movie? It was oh, so a long book. ago. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's, a, it's an interesting, it, I don't know if you remember in the story, there's a man, he's got a family, and they go out camping. His daughter gets kidnapped when they're camping. Uh, the man takes his daughter, and, and, he, and he never sees her again and it destroys the whole family he ends up getting divorced from his wife and then he gets a note a letter in the mail and it's from god and he says come out come out to the to this campsite so he goes out and that's where the shack is and um but it's interesting because there's a point in that movie where uh he's being shown what the what happened to the man that did the things to his daughter he's being shown what happened to him when he was a boy and he gets this perspective of okay this is why this man is broken like this and do this to my daughter because of what was what was done to him and i think that's why god is the only person who can have the ability who, who 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 is the only one who can i guess what's the term i'm looking for reasonably and i guess um exact justice because he's the only one that knows the whole picture so
0: um right anyway we're always trying to exact justice in our very 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 limited scope of things we almost see none of the story except what was done to us and so right, yeah. when you're looking at the circum- like the full circumstances which you're never going to see because only god has that full picture maybe the justice and the revenge that you're planning should be more so done to you than to the other person
1: we i think one of the one of the things that um I was, I was watching a sermon on forgiveness uh, about a month and a half ago, and um, one of the things that the, the, the teacher was saying was that how um, you know the, the reason we don't the reason that we don't forgive other people is because we don't look at and remember just how forgiven that we are. We don't understand how how, how many things and how, how we've offended God. We're so focused on what's been right. done to us that we don't realize that you know what we've offended God m- much more. To much more extent than what's been done to us. It's not to right. it's not to minimize the things that happen to us, because there's bad things that happen to people, but we don't want to stay there. And we wanna we don't we don't wanna allow our hearts to get to a point where we wanna we wanna be the ones who are exacting revenge on people because we're imperfect in that and um only God got only God knows the whole picture. So
0: But I think that's so true because we underplay our own offenses and underplay our own sins and what's wrong with us, but overplay and over-exaggerate everything that everyone else did. Like someone, if you say something to someone and it just comes off wrong, you'll be, Oh yeah, it's it's okay. Didn't really, it didn't bother me. It didn't bother them. They'll be okay. But if they say something to you and it comes off wrong, you begin to point your finger with some ill intent and they, they have your worst in mind. It's the same action but you see in them it's something twisted and wrong and evil. Whereas in you, you see, it's not that bad.
1: No, no, hundred um, percent. Yeah. We're, we're pretty broken, broken creatures. <laughs> yeah, that's one they, way to say it. To um, to
0: <laughs> right. So you, I don't know if you mentioned this, but when you forgave and you were on that plane ride home, did you feel a sort of, physical release like you that burden was no longer on you physically you felt more free
1: oh 110 percent. i remember um it was like a, a weight and, you know you've heard you probably heard this expression from other people that you know the, i felt the weight come off me and then people have these we carry around these burdens and these weights and these things um and yeah I, it was it was night and day i mean it was it was so refreshing and so just this sense of newness and and I remember just uh, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to get I wanted to I wanted to go I just wanted to go to church because I I was like this stuff actually worked. Like it was yeah, it was definitely uh it was definitely a euphoric feeling of just release, you know, all that. Yeah, so for sure.
0: That's so interesting. So uh, to prep for this uh this podcast, I want to research the effects of unforgiveness on our bodies. And mm. there is actually so much research on how if you don't forgive someone, it, it affects you, like you said, emotionally, physically, uh, mentally, in almost every way possible. So for example, there was a study done in 2010 um, by Barbara Elliott. It was called Forgiveness Therapy. And it basically, the whole point of it was to help others let go of negative emotions and grudges that they had towards people. And they found that when that happened, when they let go and forgave, they not only reduced stress, anxiety, and depression, but there was also a biological response as well. It, their cortisol levels were lower, lower. adrenaline levers, levels and cytokine patterns, and everything that was reported in people with high stress were much lower. Their hormone patterns also were now a little bit better that their immune system was stronger and also their heart rate was lower and their cardiovascular system was working better their blood pressure was lower almost everything physically was better and i think that that speaks to how god made us because he didn't make us to hold on to bitterness and he didn't make us to hold on to resentment that it also penetrates not just spiritually but it penetrates into our bodies as well
1: yeah wow. Well, i mean yeah it's um um yeah it doesn't get any more real than that i mean it's 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 all yeah you know, it goes back to that just that the, the torture that we allow ourselves to stay and are thinking that this is normal <laughs> there is there is it's a fix and i i think it's great when we hear studies that come from outside of Our Christian circles and biblical circles, because it just validates what we know to be true. So yeah, I mean, I love that.
0: It's actually, it's actually amazing. And you know what, there was a another one I, I found really recently. And this was in York University, York University is right in Toronto. And what they did is they took several groups of people, who are all in relationships, whether married or dating or engaged. And they all had different levels of fitness. Group one didn't exercise at all. Group two had light activity. Group three, moderate activity. And group four, they actively exercised almost every day. And they also separated the types of exercise. Some would go on runs, run, some would stretch, some would lift weights, and some would do nothing. So what they did with those people is they ask them to remember a specific time that their partner wronged them and also Mm -hmm. write them write down how that made them feel and reflect on it, almost bringing up those negative emotions from that experience. And then after routinely exercising, they asked that group, every group to rate on a scale of one to four, how much they forgave them, one being never, two being they might forgive them three being they're trying to and four being they already have. And they found that those who engaged in regular physical activity were actually much more forgiving than those who engaged in nothing. And I found that so interesting because it's like, what does the body and us, us using our bodies have to do with forgiveness is forgiveness more than just spiritual. Is it also just physical as well? Because we're seeing that, when you forgive, there is a burden taken off of your shoulders as well.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, you think um, you know the the Greek word that's used um, of of the of the torment that Jesus said that God would allow us to stay under is is um it's called I'll try to pronounce this, Who knows? I don't speak Greek, but it's basanizo is the way it sounds. But basanizo is used in the New Testament, and it covers it covers um like if you think about in um, Matthew eight five and six. Is when um, uh, the centurion comes to Jesus and he says, Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. That word, Bosanizo, is used there for torment. So that's physical, physical torment. So, um, and then also, if you look in uh, to Revelation 12, 2, it says, Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain, Bosanizo, to give birth. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely tied to physical torment. Uh, that same word "basanizo" that Jesus said that God would allow people to stay under until they forgive. So there's definitely some, there's definitely a tie there.
0: Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Do you think yeah. that if we don't forgive someone, that that's going to affect our relationship with God?
1: <laughs> um, I believe that the number one reason. That people will not be in heaven in eternity because of unforgiveness. Wow. I, I believe that for for what we talked about earlier, when I mentioned how the, the the ability to place faith in Christ is a gift from God, and that it 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 it's not even logical that God would give that gift to somebody who was not willing to give it to somebody else. It just it's like it doesn't even make sense. And I think sometimes God knows the heart. And so sometimes he may extend his grace to people knowing that this person eventually will. But, um, I've heard stories. I mean, um, I've, I've I've seen uh, testimonies of people who have, who have said, I, you know, I, I I'm they're convinced that the reason that people do not get into heaven is because of unforgiveness. Um, I think that that is the, the two things we need to learn in this life before we, before we get into heaven is, is, is how to forgive well and how to love well. Those two things. And, uh, that forgiveness is, um, is key. Um, because without it, I think that, yeah, I think, I don't think you can have a relationship with God. And I think those people who, who do, who are born again, who do know the Lord, but they, they decide to hold on to unforgiveness, I think it, I think it wrecks their relationship. I'm not saying that they lose their salvation. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's just the relationship that they could have. I think they just rob themselves. They rob themselves of that relationship with God, and then God can't use them to bring Himself glory, and and bless them because of bitterness. So yeah, I I I think it's the number one, the number one thing that impacts our relationship with God is, is forgiveness. I think it's. I don't think there's any bigger.
0: Right. <laughs> and I, I don't think it's the ability. I think it's the willingness.
1: There you go. There you go. Yep. No, you're right. You're right. Um, you think about it like in terms of forgiveness from three aspects. There's the there's the intellectual understanding of what forgiveness is and why we need to do it. And this can be taught to somebody. But then there's the will. There's the, there's the decision to, to, to act upon it. And that's where the will comes in, which you're speaking to. And then there's finally the heart where God does the, that does the curing work of, of releasing from the heart. Cause I mean, you can forgive from the mind, but if it's still in your heart, it's not, you haven't released it. And that's God's, I think that's God's area. That's God's domain is the heart is he's the one who who draws it out once he sees we understand and it's like when i went to a meet with fred i didn't really want to forgive the guy i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie i I did not want to forgive him but i knew i needed to so i intellectually i understood i needed to forgive him and then what did i do i got in an airplane and i flew out there and i sat in front of this man and instead of exacting revenge i said no i'll do this god's way and i said here here's forgiveness and so i went through the motions and then after I did that, that's when I got on the plane and that's when God did the work in my heart. So that's kinda of how I think right. it works together.
0: So what would you say if someone said they're trying to forgive someone for something, but they haven't been able to? Um, where they're they're actively trying and they want to forgive, but they haven't been able to.
1: Yeah, so I mean for I've been I've been going doing some deep diving deep dive studies in forgiveness and I've been I, I you and I talked a little bit about uh, this guy his name's uh, Bruce uh, Bruce Wilkinson it's it's the most comprehensive uh, study and 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 um in exercise in forgiveness that I've ever seen and one of the things that he says is the reason that people can't forgive is because first of all he says we need to make a distinction between the person who did the things to us and then the trespasses as Jesus calls them. From what they did, those are two different things. And he walks through right. this past. that
0: hate the sin, not the sinner. Right. Yeah. Um.
1: So I, I walked through this with my daughter two weeks ago. Um. She uh, she was up. She was throwing up. It was it was the day before her graduation. It was it was the morning before her graduation, and she was sick. She was sick to the stomach, throwing up all night long. We had people had flown into town from all over the country to go to her graduation. And she wasn't gonna make it because she's she's so sick. And so um I got up, it was about five thirty. I th- I woke up to her like throwing up in the bathroom. That's what woke me up. That's how bad it was. And so we sat down and I was like, you know what? I said, I said, honey, I don't know what's wrong with you, but I said, let's talk about let's talk about unforgiveness. I want to talk about unforgiveness for a while. And I want to just just I want to go through this exercise with you just because I want to make sure that you're not holding on to anything that's keeping you Uh, being tormented and so we walked through it and so what we do the first thing i said is name the people who've done what they've done to you let's get their names out there we put their names out there and i said i want you to write down everything that they've done to you that you're that you're upset about she gave me two names of two different people and then we wrote then she wrote down i I, I didn't look at her list but you know she had her list in front of her and then she wrote down all of the things. And I said, okay, here's what we're going to do first. The first thing we're going to do is you're going to understand why we need to forgive. The second thing we're going to do is you're going to go into that, that prison in your heart that you have these people in. That's what we do to people. We put them in these prisons in our heart. We put walls around them and we throw, away the key, we throw the key away saying, you're never getting out of here. That's what I did with Fred years ago. I said, let's, let's, let's look at that person sitting in that cell. And let's, let's find some ways to empathize for that person. and said, now we're going to open the door and let them out we walk through this this step of doing this I said now we're going to address everything they did to you and I want you to go through each one and you're going to forgive them for each thing so then there's that process of going through all that then at the end I said now what we're going to do because Jesus says to pray for your enemies and bless those that persecute you now we're going to now that we've forgiven them we've gone we've understood it from our minds we've gone through the action now what we're going to do is we're going to bless them we've prayed a blessing over each of those people and I tell you what Let me tell you, brother. My daughter, she is a very introverted person. She hates public speaking. And she had to give a speech that day for her graduation. And she was dreading it. There was about 12 kids who went. She ended up, we ended up making it to the graduation. We go to the graduation. She's up there. And she got up and she spoke and everybody said the same thing. It seemed like she was so comfortable. I could see in her demeanor. Just from the forgiveness that, she, that 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 act of walking through forgiveness with those people that morning, I'm telling you it was night and day. I could see it. I was it was it was such a blessing because even her spirit was living, Her spirit was lifted, and she was in front of and she was speaking so naturally to people, and everybody commented on it. But um, I guess the point I'm trying to make, based on your question, is just there's a way to forgive. We need to forgive the person, and then Jesus says, "Forgive your brother his trespasses." It's two parts. You got to forgive the person. But you to you gotta you gotta you gotta take a look at each of those things they did and you need to forgive each of those things that they did to you as well. It's a two part thing I think sometimes people try to just blanket it forget i just I'm just gonna forgive that person no the deeper we dive into it I think the more the more healing comes from it I guess would be my point
0: right so get specific so I'm going to try to list the steps out you can correct me if I'm wrong. Step one is list the people person or people who have wronged you then list the sins that they did against you, and then from there take every single sin and tell them that you forgive them in order to finally remove them from that prison from your heart. Am I missing anything?
1: No, no, I think, it, uh, so, um, yeah, the, I guess the, the steps here, and I'm gonna re- I'll am gonna i read through the steps. You hit them all, you hit them all, but I'll go over just real quick too. You did a great job. Yeah. The first one is open our hearts to prepare, the first one is open our heart to prepare to forgive, Okay, the second thing is extend compassion. That's the other thing, too, is you got, we have to get our hearts, our hearts in a place where we can actually extend compassion and empathize with that person to make the forgiveness more real. The third step is, yeah, release them. You mentioned this. Release them from that prison of our inner heart. The final step is forgive them for each trespass, offense, mistake, sin, and wound. And then finally, bless them. I think those five steps, if you walk through all of those, I think that's pretty comprehensive. Um, and I think that you're going to, I think it will the results like that.
0: So, right. I have a question. So yep. my story is a little bit different where I don't feel like there's anyone specifically, uh, anyone else specifically that I'm struggling to forgive except for myself. Um, mm. and I struggle to forgive myself because others haven't forgiven me. So how would you recommend that? I, do I go through the same steps?
1: Yeah, that's 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 great. So, um, on that one, I think, um, I think you know, praying and understanding that. The, so, are you talking about things that you that you've done in the past, or things that you've
0: done? Yes, way in the past, way in like, the past. So
1: like, so like before, kind of before Christ, kind before you became a believer, or or before like that, I became
0: or, a, a genuine believer. Um, like I knew Christ by name, and I just wasn't a genuine believer.
1: Yeah, I think um, holding on. I think I think one of the first things is 2 Corinthians five seventeen comes to mind. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone; the new has come. I think a lot oftentimes what happens to us in our in our, in our identity is that we forget who we are, and we allow the world and other people and some of the things that we've done to dictate our our identities. And I think coming back and in, 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 in locking into who does God say I am. And and how does how does God feel about these things that I did, and what does God say? Does God even remember them? And it's and I think that's a that's a good place to start is looking at things, looking at ourselves, and measuring ourselves from from who God says we are, and not who we even we say we are. Because the Bible says God knows us better than we know ourselves, really. And so I think focusing in on on who God says I am and, and what my identity is in God, and how God feels about these things, I think with that comes a great sense of of like God's grace and his love and his mercy and that peace that comes from that, I think helps for us to, to begin to, to forgive ourselves and say, you know what? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I made some pretty big mistakes, but that's who I was. And even God has forgotten it. So why am I still bringing it up? (laughs) You know? So uh, that'd be, that'd be
0: one. There's a, there's a quote by C.S. Lewis and it says, I think if we, if we don't forgive ourselves, then we are setting ourselves up as a higher tribunal than God who has forgiven us oh. from every sin.
1: That's really good, yeah. I like that.
0: So do you think, yeah. might be the last question for you, do you think that there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation?
1: Well, for sure. Um, I think, um, you know, forgiveness is something that we have control over, right. We have the, like you mentioned, you know, there's the, there's the will that we have control over that. We have to make a decision and we have to, um, we have to decide whether or not we're going to obey God and do it. Reconciliation is is really out of our, it's, you know, there's two sides to that and we can only control our one side. So yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, there's, there's times where, because, you know, you, you think about um, people who have had things happen to them and then the people that did that, to them, they've already, they've already died. So there it's impossible for there to be any reconciliation. So that doesn't mean that they can't still forgive and that we can't still forgive the people who did things to us when they're gone. Because we're still holding on to it. That person definitely isn't at this point. So, yeah, I think there's a huge difference between the two. And I think the reconciliation part is really uh, it's out of our control.
0: Right. Do you think it's a requirement for forgiveness? Like if someone wrongs me. Is it that the only way I've truly forgiven them is if I've reconciled with them or do I, can I forgive them without necessarily reconciling?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, cause like we said, in some cases it'd be impossible, but no, I mean, God doesn't ask us to reconcile the relationship. I mean, there's no command to do that. Right. There's a command to forgive. Mm-hmm. And you'll, we'll, and you'll know, because when you, when you, when we come across that person, it's like with Fred, you know, when I, I, I heard about him, I heard that, I heard he came to town one time and remember he was in California. I was in Texas. He, he had, he was in town in Texas where I lived years later and he didn't come and visit me. He didn't call and reach out. And I was actually hurt that he didn't reach out. This is a man that I hated that I really didn't want anything to do with before. And now I'm like, he didn't call me like, what, 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 I'm here. Like, you know, so, you know, in my mind, in my heart, I, I guess we were reconciled, but at the same time, no, I mean, um, I, it's really out of our. I guess it's really out of a, it's really out of our control. But I guess the point I'm making, sorry, is that um, you'll know if you, you'll know if you have truly forgiven somebody if you get a chance to reconcile with them and you take advantage of it. That would be, I think, how we we could say, yeah, that is true forgiveness. Because if if you do get a chance to reconcile, then you'll jump at it. You'll jump at the opportunity. That's how you know you you really extended godly forgiveness. Th- That'll be my. That's that'd be my take on it.
0: Amen. I'll I'll actually close us off on on a verse. I'll close us off on the Lord's Prayer, because I think that it may be one of the perfect prayers to close us off on. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses neither will your Father forgive you. Sure. And to anyone listening let this let this episode serve as conviction if it if it hasn't already that if there's someone you are holding bitterness or unforgiveness resentment or a grudge against take this time Follow, follow the five steps that we listed earlier. Identify that person, what they did to you, how that made you feel. Empathize with them and release them from the prison from your heart. And if you have a chance, you can also reconcile with them. You don't have to hold on to that bitterness and unforgiveness as the only person it is truly tormenting is you. So it's probably Amen. not affecting that other person. Amen. If there's any motivation at all, <laughs> amen awesome i really really appreciate you being out here with us today rob this was an amazing opportunity and i thank you for being here
1: yeah yeah thanks for having me i really enjoyed it and i hope that anybody who hears this would take you know take your words and, and, and understand um like you said i mean there's so much freedom and there's so much relief I mean, the, the world is already challenging enough as it is without us allowing ourselves right. to you know to just continue to be under this torment and um and God's and there's a lot of glory, you know. We want to give give to God, and we just can't give Him the glory He deserves by holding on to things that um, He wants us to release. So, yeah.
0: right, and it's also not good as us as representatives of God, of Jesus, and of all that He stands for. If we're holding a grudge and unforgiveness, that is the opposite of what Jesus did for us.
1: Amen. Yeah, it's a good word. I mean, how can how can we even claim to be followers of Christ to Christ on the cross when? when he was being ridiculed spit upon and, and, and insulted said, father forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing you know and how, how can we can even imagine? pretend to be a follower of christ if we're not willing to do the same i don't know i, I find myself when i compare myself to christ sometimes i'm like I, I feel so like my life is so lacking but he's a grateful god <laughs> there's a lot of work to be done but yeah <laughs>
0: Amen, amen, amen. Awesome. And for those watching, join us next time on another episode of the Healthy Christian Project, where we connect our faith to our fitness.